Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 12. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I think communication is possibly one of the most generic, trite, overused words in business. It's all about how you communicate. And as usual, the problems in business are all about communication. Well, what does communication actually mean regarding your enterprise and your business? And because it's such a generic statement, it's something that it's very difficult to improve on something that has a huge wide-ranging meaning. Of course, there are many ways you communicate, spoken, phone, face-to-face, Skype, email, conference call, you know, one-to-one, one-to-many, webinar, one-to-hundreds or thousands when you're presenting, public speaking. So there's loads of different ways that you, you communicate. And of course, each communication vehicle probably has slightly different rules, but for sure, the same fundamentals. So I really do, though, believe that if you can improve your communication skills in your business, and I'm not just talking marketing, i.e. outside to customers, I'm talking internally to the way you communicate with your staff, up, down and sideways on, in your organizational chart. If you're an entrepreneur, how you communicate upwards to your, your boss and downwards to your subordinates, I hate that word, you know, the people who work underneath you on the org chart. I think that uh, the more you can improve your communication the better results you'll get, the more you'll develop your career or increase the net profit of your business and reduce the overhead. Because if you think about it, if communication isn't clear or there's too many people involved or there's not enough people involved, it's going to take extra time to solve that challenge or to deliver that message, which is going to increase the overhead on your business because it's going to increase the staff time uh, and stretch out a process. So ultimately, a lack of clear communication and understanding of what it really is will increase the overhead, will cost you more in business and will erode your profits. Okay, so I do think that smart, effective, efficient communication can make you a lot more money in your business because it's one of those intangible things. Yes, it's sort of talked about an MBA or a generic sort of business training level, but I don't really hear many entrepreneurs or people on the ground making millions or billions in business talk about this a lot. And so that's why I wanted to address this for you. Because it's so trite, common, overused, if you like, it's assumed that it's common sense. But because uh, it's assumed that it's common sense, it isn't always common sense. I mean, if you're, for example, a father, you know, if you're a husband, you know that communicating with your kids or your wife or your partner, it can be like you're talking a different language. They say, don't they? Men are from Mars and women are from Venus or whatever. It's almost like we're, we're, put, we're, we're from different planets. And that's natural and understandable. I guess a bit like the way a staff member might talk to a customer or a vice, vice versa would be different. Sometimes I think staff think they've really got to serve and customers think that they can kind of sometimes bully, certainly at a corporate or customer service level. And... um 
So we all have different outcomes in our communication. We have different levels of power and authority and, and we communicate in the way that we understand and we perceive the world. So if we're angry, we might communicate emotionally fueled. If we're feeling good, we might communicate in a good way. We think about what we want to get out of the communication, i.e. what's our outcome rather than what's their outcome and how is it received. Sometimes we communicate for personal catharsis, i.e. I'm angry, I'm going to, you're having it, you're birthed. And we do that to make ourselves feel better. But ultimately what happens is that that gets received in a very negative way related to the outcome that you actually would have wanted if you weren't emotionally charged. So then it comes back on you and creates more of the same, and it creates more doubt, fear, shame, regret in you. And it becomes a never-ending cycle that only demeans your self-worth and therefore increases your overhead and reduces your profit. So I'd say, I guess, the first main proper takeaway tip is to think about not just how you're communicating, but how this communication will be received. If it's too emotionally charged, maybe it might create the wrong emotion in the recipient. And maybe if you're too patronizing or if you're too direct or if you're not clear. Now, you might be totally clear and you might think that you're communicating well in your reality of the world. But what about in their reality of the world? You know, if you're a man, you might be, and I don't want to make any generalizations here, but I'm, I'm going to. If you're a man, you might be quite a linear, direct, you know, what, what's the problem? What's the solution? If you're a, a female, maybe you'd like to talk around it a little bit more and explore a little bit more. I know for me, certainly being a disruptive entrepreneur, if you like, and always busy and always on the go, I listen to audio at two and three times speed, I think quick, I act quick. Sometimes if communication is really slow, I sometimes struggle with that. And if communication isn't towards a direct outcome, i.e. what's the purpose of the call? What's the purpose of the meeting? What's the purpose of what you're saying? What's the question you're asking? I know my mind can get lost. Now, that's not saying that any other communication is wrong. That's just saying that's how my very limited insular brain works. Now, if someone knows that about me and I'm working with them and they, and they really want to communicate with me effectively, that's really great intel because they can think, okay, I'll ask the question first before I ramble and I'll give Rob a clear outcome and I can speak quite fast. That's okay because his brain works quite fast because he's always listening. I have dreams in two and three times speed. So if someone knows that about me, they can communicate more effectively with me. So when you know the best way that your MD or your PA or your certain types of key customers or clients or suppliers, or really your main wider marketplace in marketing, if you know their demographics and and the way that they best receive communication, then you can be smart and tactically create communication that is effective and empowers the recipient rather than is just catharsis for you. Now, just to defend all the ladies listening, uh, you know, I'm only joking when I make these sort of stereotypes, but the reality is, If you're a wife or a mother, you probably realise that the kids don't listen to you as much as you'd like. And you probably realise that maybe us men are not quite as understanding as maybe we could be. Maybe we're a bit direct, a bit blunt. So you probably feel that, you know, maybe we don't understand the way you communicate. And it's the same between staff and clients. It's the same between subordinates and leaders within a business. Now, I actually believe that every single person on the planet is a completely unique individual. So there are no, all men are like this, all women are like this, all types of cultures are like this, and all types of demographics are like that. I I just don't buy into that. Of course, we have cultural and societal upbringings and biases that form who we are, for sure. 
But everyone's a unique individual with their own isms and quirks and skills and talents. If you've ever done any personality profiling like Myers-Briggs or DISC or Wealth Dynamics, you know that we can put individuals, man or woman, adult or child, into certain types of boxes which can help us understand the the thought processes and, and, and ways that people like to be communicated to and with. And whilst that certainly helps give you a, a better idea, if someone's a visionary, you don't want to be too detailed. If they're technical, you need to show them proof. That really helps. But the best way for you to communicate really effectively to get the outcome that you want to empower and inspire and lead and make more money and make more of a difference in less time is to understand the individual that you're with at the time and you know how you how you can inspire empower them sometimes how you can create a little bit of uh, a reaction because you know some people might react well to that to kind of uh, motivate someone if you like to ultimately get the outcome now if you think about how you might communicate over email versus on a phone call versus in a face-to-face meeting versus social media you know that they're all different methods of communication and you know that people communicate very differently. Uh, We've probably all seen some people communicate on social media and they've kind of unleashed. And we've thought, wow, they didn't hold anything back. And you you since find out that they had a few glasses to wine and they got maybe a bit free. Also, a lot of these people who communicate quite aggressively on social media, they're 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 almost like wallflowers face-to-face because maybe they don't have the the courage or or maybe they just have um, different personalities online as offline. So that's that's adding to the uh, concoction, if you like, of variety. Now, I don't want to overcomplicate this. But you've got to think about how's the person going to receive the communication? What's the best way to communicate with them in their reality of how they'll perceive the communication? You know, if they're sensitive, do I have to wrap it a little bit more? If they're direct, do I have to be more precise and to the point? If they're more emotional, do I need to tell stories? If they're more logical, do I need to stick to the facts? But then you've got to think about what's the communication vehicle. If I'm sending an email, could this be misread? You know, do I need to put a smiley face or a wink or do I need to fluff it up a bit or can I be short and direct with this person? Does this person receive hundreds of emails a day or does this person only receive a few emails a day? In which case I need to be shorter and more direct or I can be a little bit more wordy. You know, you've got to think about all this. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector. I'm a watch investor. And those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk and he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him, I've used him for many years and recently we've done a partnership. Hence I'm inviting you if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. Now, when you think about all these things, your communication goes to a much higher level of mastery and you become quicker, more efficient because you shorten the time, you increase the uh, leverage and you increase your profits. So I've got six simple steps that I believe are elegant and effective to help you create efficient communication. When I mean efficient, I mean 
the best result for the recipient in the shortest possible time with the, the minimum amount of wastage and grief or just getting too many people involved or things just taking so long. And I think this will really increase the speed at which your enterprise uh, becomes profitable and gets shared as a brand. And uh, it will just keep all of the misunderstanding and the lack of service to an absolute minimum. Here are the six steps. You may want to write them down if you're driving. Stop. So step one is listen first. Step two is you, we, not I, me, my. Step three is the vehicle, email, phone call, meeting, etc. Step four is to care about people. Step five is to discover their values. And then step six is to manage your emotions. Probably the most important one possibly should be number two, but I saved it to number six because I think I wanted to leave you with the most important one. So let's get back to the first one and start with that then, which is listen first. So when you're communicating, the only way you're really going to understand the recipient is to listen to them. Now, very often you go into meetings or you have phone calls and you book them in because you have an outcome or you send an email because you have an outcome. Of course, that's kind of common sense. But if you can listen first or think first about how the recipient will receive this in the most empowering way to get your outcome, I think you're going to be much more efficient and effective in your communication. So what does listening first involve? No matter what the the vehicle is, if you're face to face, you want to listen to what they say first. If you're communicating, you know, over a Skype call or a conference call or an email, you want to think about, okay, how are the, how's the recipient going to respond to this so I can get my outcome in the best possible way? So number one is you want to get all the facts. You want to get all the facts in your meeting, in your appraisal, in your performance review, in your disciplinary, in the meeting with your suppliers, in your negotiations, whatever you're doing, you want to get all the facts first. If you start communicating before you've got all the facts you could really trip yourself up. But of course, most people don't want to listen. They want to talk. They don't want to hear the recipient. They want to hear themselves speak. It makes us feel important. It makes us feel significant. Of course, that's not doesn't make you a bad person. You can't live the life vicariously through somebody else. All you can do is experience the world as you experience it and speak through yourself. But if you sit, listen, verbal and nonverbal, get all the facts you're going to be able to not only deal better with the problem, but you're going to understand more what the problem is. Because the amount of communication, which is fluff around, actually that wasn't the problem and that wasn't what was up with them. And you spent a whole lot of time imagining what the scenario was in your head and having arguments with them and creating all these fantastical scenarios of how everything's going to play out mostly negative. And of course that never happens or rarely happens. So what you think the problem is probably isn't what the problem is And it certainly isn't going to be exactly the way you think it is. So listening and finding out what the challenge or the outcome is, rather than projecting or pretending or imagining what you think it is, is one part of listening first. Very often, if there's an issue or a challenge, it's actually smaller than you think. And maybe you're making it bigger and therefore you're making it more difficult. Very often, it's quite easily solved. But when you create all of these fantasies about what the challenge is or, you know, sometimes you're face to face and you're reading them and, oh, I know what you're thinking or, you know, they look at you a certain way and then all of the emotions you've ever felt in the whole of your life just come flooding through you and you dump it onto them. And, you know, like exes who assume that you're like their ex 
and they carry all the baggage from all of their ex-partnerships onto you because you looked at them a funny way or you did something that reminded them of their ex. We don't want to carry any baggage, any past into current or future communications. So don't make it more complicated than it is. Never assume, always ask. Never take sides, never overreact. Don't get emotional and blurt and spill out all your frustration. You know, that happens a lot. Things become this whole mushroom cloud that didn't really need to happen. So that's another good reason to listen, because when you listen, you're not blurting out all of the ways that you're feeling emotionally. So you can process them internally and let them subside. Don't try and be right. Don't just try and be good. Don't try and outsmart or outprove. Just try and help and solve. You see, when you listen, it shows that you care. And that's something that when you're dealing with individuals, I think that they're probably most concerned about. You've probably heard the saying, people don't care what you know till they know that you care. So listening is a great way to show that you care. Of course, engaged listening. So it shows that you care. It shows that you want to solve the problem. Um, sometimes it can seem like you're a bit of a counsellor when you're listening. You know, you've got a, you maybe got a one-to-one and you've got 30 minutes booked in for it and an hour and a half later when you feel like you've had the life story. But of course, that makes people feel significant, important, loved, cared for, listened to. It might be the only time that they get that in their whole life. I'm a property investor and the amount of times I've gone to vendors' houses in the past and like they've told me personal stuff, they've probably not told their husband or wife because I'm an, an unbiased a neutral person who's caring enough about them to listen to build, so it builds good trust and rapport so that they'll, you know, they'll share information with you, information that could be valuable to you in your communication. Okay, right. Step two then is you and we, not I, me and my. So when you say my business, my company, my product, me, my book, my podcast, whatever, your team aren't going to be empowered or feel like you're, ownership of what they're doing, they're just going to think that, well, it's all about you, the big boss, the big guru. So they're not going to feel like they're working for them. They're going to feel like they're working for you. And so really what that creates is a, well, I'm only really working here for you because I'm getting paid for it. And it doesn't inspire people. I remember Craig Valentine, one of my public speaking coaches, he called this you focus. Uh, So change a lot of the I, me, my words to you and your words. You know what I mean, don't you? Because then people feel involved in your product or your story or your message. They they get to be significant, important, rather than you trying to be significant and important. They get to feel part of something, a team, not just an employee or a lackey. And remember, no one cares about you. People only care about themselves. So when you use you and your language and we language, then they can become involved and important And therefore, they'll probably do something for them and not for you, which is the state of most empowerment and motivation, and you'll end up getting what you want. So you want to give ownership through your language, through you and your and we and our, our vision, not my vision, our company, our mission, not my company, my mission, our products and services, not my products and services, etc. You get the message. Okay, so give them the credit and you absorb the blame and responsibility. I remember reading How to Win Friends and Influence People, where I learned for the first time that if you give the credit, it's very empowering. And if you take the blame and responsibility, it's very empowering. And it shows that you're a leader at both extremes. But naturally, people want to take all the credit and then they want to blame someone else. So whilst sounds like common sense when you 
hear it like that. The reality is most of us naturally, oh yeah, look at me, I'm great, woo, yeah, ooh, let's have a party around me. Uh, and uh, that doesn't really make people feel involved or inspired. So can you more give the credit to your team, make it about them and not you, and take the blame and responsibility and stand up because when you do, you're a leader, people are inspired by you, they'll follow you. You don't want a load of resentful people who feel like you're their boss and they don't have any autonomy or control over what they're doing and they're basically being uh, bribed by a paycheck. You do not want them feeling like that. Okay, then step three is what's the vehicle of communication? So you can now communicate via email, instant message, Skype, a conference call, a webinar one-to-one, a go-to meeting showing your screen, a webinar one to thousands in front of a load of clients, online streaming, public speaking, video, TV, radio, podcast, blah, 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 blah. So how does that different vehicle of communication change the communication? Now, I think that when you're not face-to-face, The benefit of that is that if you are emotional, you can kind of hide that emotion because sometimes dumping out of your emotion for your own catharsis just makes the situation worse. So that's the benefit of non-face-to-face communication. Of course, the speed as well, emails, very fast, very efficient, social media, instant. So they're the benefits. And, And I think the best time to use the sort of instant communication is when something is short, concise, It's just something that's already been agreed that we're just uh, summing up. It's a a debrief. It's a a restating. It's a setting clear expectations. But if it involves influence, negotiation, persuasion, uh, I don't know, performance management, etc., it's probably best to do it face-to-face or over phone. So don't get the method of communication wrong. So, for example, some meetings take hours where it could have been a five or ten minute phone call. So you don't want to waste people's time having meetings for the, saking, for the sake of meetings and meetings and meetings. So think, could this be shortened? Does it need to be a meeting? Now, often I'll have a meeting if something has got so confused that we're not getting anywhere back in and forth with all the emails and all the copying in and the replying all and the, the CC and the BCC and everything else. I think this is going nowhere. We're just wasting loads of time, load of time. Let's have a quick meeting or call about it. We can get the solution done. But at the same time, Could it be done a lot quicker or without the need for a meeting? I mean, we all want the mobile lifestyle. Many of you will have home offices or you'll travel around the world and you won't necessarily be able to have these meetings. So I think if there's emotion involved, then you probably want want them to see your face. Uh, You know, certainly if you need to performance manage them or you need to pick them up or motivate them or you've got a sticky, challenging situation. Okay, you never want to put anything sensitive in email. Anything that could come back on you, make you look bad, could be used against you legally or could be misconstrued or could uh, be read differently. You don't ever want to do that on email. You want to do that uh, face to face or on the phone if possible. Copying in. Now, sometimes copying people in can mean that you're communicating with all the right people. Therefore, we all know what's going on. But sometimes if you copy someone in and there's more than one person in a recipient of an email, then it's not actually clear who's supposed to do what. So you want to make sure you're emailing to the right person and you're copying in the right people and you want to make one person responsible. And if you're ever doing anything that's critique or feedback, I mean, my golden rule is don't copy anyone in. But if you have to copy someone in, blind copy them in if possible so that it it doesn't, because, you know, if anything's uh, given to us as critique or feedback that's public, 
It can really damage your self-esteem and, and really hurt your ego, and that can give you the, the, the worst possible reaction. Though sometimes maybe you have to do that if that's the, the stage that you've got to. So you need to think about how that's going to be read by the individual who's going to read it. If you can't get everyone in a meeting and it's taking you two two months just to book the meeting, a quick conference call on, what is it, Powwow Now or you know lots of different conference call systems, or you can use GoToMeeting and you can do online video calling or Skype conferencing. So if things are going to take ages, people are in different countries or people in different cities, you don't want to be uh, trying to book a load of people in a meeting where everyone can't make the date all the time and it never happens. So you just want to think about the best vehicle for the meeting. And again, some golden rules, never do anything emotional, never do, never do anything critical, never do anything in terms of negotiation or um, performance review or legal in uh, written form. Uh, you always want to respect the person to do it face to face and then never put too many steps in the way and make meetings for the sake of meetings for the sake of meetings. By the way, if you ever get that, you've just received an email, you just had a communication with someone, you're emotional, you're angry, you're upset, you're whatever, don't go and then ping an email out. Don't go and then put a Facebook post or a video up where people can see your emotion, they can see you're out of control because in the end it'll only make you look really bad. If you need catharsis, go rant at someone that you care about or that, that you trust to be able to do that. Don't put it live. Write a draft email, spit it all out and then save it or delete it. Okay, step four then is to care about people. People don't care what you know till they know that you care. So if you care about people, you'll think, how are they going to respond to this communication? Could it hurt them? Could it demotivate them? Do they need inspiration, motivation, help, support? Could I not be making myself clear? I think that I am, but is the recipient the way they think? Could this be unclear to them? You know, at the end of the day, you might have to do some sticky conversations. You might have to say some things that aren't pleasant. But ultimately, it's only going to serve you and your business if afterwards you can make the, the person feel, you know, motivated or at least uh, kind of empowered afterwards. So could what you're saying be taken out of con context? Could it be misunderstood? You know, if you, you've got to be careful with your language here. If you say, hey, I really love that dress, but, or with all due respect. At the end of the day, when you say things like that, it just, it just actually just doesn't help. And uh, the word but, or with all due respect, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, people just ignore all the nice things that you might say, and, and they'll just get their backs right up. So you want to be careful about the language you use. You also want to make sure that you put yourself in their shoes and you can understand exactly how they could feel when you've communicated in the way that you have. Sometimes, you know, you might have heard of the feedback sandwich. Some people call it the shit sandwich. So, you know, you, you sort of start with something that they're great at. You give them the feedback, the critique in the middle, and you end with something they're great at. That can be a good strategy. But of course, if they know what you're doing or it's too overt, that can also be very uh, disempowering. So just understand how they may receive the communication, especially in performance reviews, salary meetings, negotiations, disciplines. You know, you want to make sure that you end the meeting on the outcome that you want and you end it having them feel that you've made progress or, or that they're feeling empowered if you want them to feel empowered, because sometimes you have to do the opposite. Sometimes you have to kind of shock them a little bit. That's okay. Just, be, just understand and care about them enough to get the outcome. Number five is uh, what are their values? Understanding the individual's values. So someone's values are the things that they hold most important to them in their life. And they live their life uh, according to and driven by their values. 
and what they see as most important to them will alight them, inspire them, motivate them. And what they don't see as important to them, they'll procrastinate over. They'll, they'll have their fear, doubt, concern, worry, shame around. They won't be interested in. So if your values are different to theirs, then th- that is like you're communicating in a different language. So when you know what's most important to someone, whether it's freedom, autonomy, I don't know, maybe family, social life, etc., career, then you're able to communicate with them in those values to make them feel inspired, motivated and important. If you communicate in your values and your values are different to their values, you're going to be talking a different language. You're not going to get the outcome that you want. Now, it's very easy to do. Uh, All you have to do is ask them, what's most important to them? Hey, what's most important to you in your life? Hey, thanks for this meeting. Just before we start, I want to ask, what is most important to you? Uh, You can wrap that conversation in your meeting or in your communication, find out what it is, get those three or four things, autonomy, freedom, independence, family, travel, whatever. Someone says family, then giving them a Friday afternoon off to spend time with their family and a longer weekend can be really empowering. If someone says independence, they're giving them autonomy and letting them choose and letting them come up with ideas, that can really inspire them. And of course, if it's money, then that's kind of an easy one to deal with, isn't it? And then finally, the last step in it's not what you say, it's how you say it, is managing your own emotions. If you make communication about you and catharsis of your own emotion, you're not going to get very far in business or in life because people are just going to end up resenting you, disliking you. Uh, you know, hey, uh, when you're on fire, by the way, you're going to make people feel great. But when you're not, you're going to make them feel awful. And that inconsistency is really confusing for people. I had an ex-boss who could be like your best mate one minute and he re- really, really was quite inspiring sometimes. He'd make you feel really good and that you're making a difference and you're going to, you know, we're going to beat our competitors and we're going to win and, we're, you know, we're in, the, we're in the right business. We're all going to be millionaires. But then if he hadn't had his coffee for a few hours or he'd received a bad email, he'd come out and he'd say, you're shit and you're fired. And, and that inconsistency just really created dislike, fear. You know, you're never comfortable in the, in the presence of that person. And that doesn't make that person a bad person. I just knew that they were reacting emotionally rather than strategically. They were a victim of their own internal pain, which they were dumping out, uh, or their internal need to be loved, which they were dumping out. And uh, ultimately, communication was about them and not about me. So you don't want to turn your communication into something it isn't. Your emotions fueled in can can escalate and turn it into something that it actually wasn't. You want to be careful about that. If you're angry or if you're feeling shame or whatever, write it down, save it in a draft or delete it. The catharsis enough is just getting it out. Have good counsel, have great people around you, have smart people in business who've been there, who've done it, who can calm you down, who can get you to see an outcome, who can get you to see sense, who can understand, who can give you a hug and a kiss if you need it and whatever. Uh, There's no shame in that. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. It makes you smart that you're able to master your emotions. And then set your meetings or do your responses once you've calmed down, you've seen clarity, you've thought about the outcome that you want, you've seen how you'll be perceived by others. And that'll make you a really effective business person, effective leader, effective in marketing, sales, PR, and your business will grow and you'll inspire more people and make a bigger difference. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Uh, I'd love if you could give me a review. And uh, if you're not following me on Facebook, because I do quite a lot of videos there too, then uh, please do follow me on Progressive, uh, sorry, on Rob More Progressive. So facebook.com forward slash Rob More Progressive. I'm really excited to announce that I've just uh, secured an interview with Gerald Ratner, who had Ratner's Jewelers, who's one of the most successful businessmen in the country. And then, of course, he had a, a fall from grace when he accidentally or innocently said his jewelry was crap. 
And then he rose again. So the rise and fall and rise again of Gerald Ratner uh, made tens, hundreds of millions, maybe, you know, about a decade or two ago. And I'm going to be interviewing him. This will be my first live interview on the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. Of course, he's very much a disruptive entrepreneur. So it's on theme and on brand. So make sure you download all the podcasts if you haven't already and look out for that one. That is going to be an amazing podcast.